Amen. Well, good morning, Haynes Creek. How's everybody doing today? That was a good response. Well done, everybody. Awesome. Well, it is good to be with you. My name is Travis. I'm pastor here. Uh, if it is your first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. We are, are thrilled and excited that you are here joining us, worshiping with us. And uh, here's the thing. I, I might ask a favor of you. I would love a chance just to reach out and say thank you so much for your visit. So if you do me a huge favor, some point during the service, just text the word welcome to that number that you see right now on the screen. Just text welcome to that. That's all you got to do. Just text welcome to that number. Um, like I said, I just want a chance to reach out and say thank you so much for that visit. Uh, if you'd rather uh, do it a little bit more old school, we have cards on the table outside as you leave. Feel free to stop by our table out there, fill out a card, just leave it there. We got a free gift as well that I'd love to give you uh, before you head home today. So again, just if you could do me that small favor, I would really appreciate that. And you've, you've caught us at a good time. So we just last week launched our brand new series going verse by verse through the book of Acts. And we're going to continue on with that. I hope you guys like the book of Acts because we're going to be here for a while. All right. We're going to go slow and steady, take our time and dig deep into God's word uh, into the book of Acts to see what he has for us. Uh, but uh, last week, as we, if you were here, you caught the podcast or watched online, uh, we, we zoomed out, right? Like we did a, a 30,000 foot view of all of scripture. And we, we studied and said, you know, what, what's the big, story of scripture. Because when we when we open our Bibles, we have all these different books, right? All these different books written by all these different authors that span years and years and years and years and years. But here's the deal. It's telling the same story. We've got a ton of different authors, ton of different books, lots of different topics, but it's all the same story. And when we, when we broke this down, we talked about it, we said there's, there's four big parts to the story of scripture. There's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, and then there's a restoration. This is, this is God's story. He creates us. Uh, sin comes. We fall. We, we uh, go our own ways. We, we disobey God, and yet he still pursues us. He still comes to us. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that he could redeem us and make us his and make us new in him. And it's all leading to the end, to the final consummation of all things, where Jesus will set all things right and will dwell in perfection with him. So that's where we were last week. Now we're going to see more specifically, how does Acts fit into this story? And see so what we're going to see with Acts and what we see with our current moment, where we are in history, we're in that, that redemption piece where Jesus has come, he's died on the cross, he's, he's raised from the dead, he's saving people through his gospel message. God is, is through the gospel reversing that curse of sin. The sin that separated us from God. God is reversing that, renewing people, saving people, rescuing and redeeming them spiritually. All leading again to the end. We will spend eternity with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. And, and Acts, Acts shows how this story, where we find ourselves, how, how this point in history, how it started. How it started. What happened when Jesus rose from the dead, then he ascended into heaven. What happened next? Acts answers that question. So this movement starts with, with the gospel, with the saving message of Jesus. What we see in Acts is we see that gospel message spread throughout the entire world. So that's where we're going with Acts. That's where we're going to be hanging out. That's where we're going to be over the next, I can't even tell you, long time. So just get ready to spend a lot of time in Acts. So today, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at the first eight verses today. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, we're going to spend our time digging deep into this section. If you have your Bible, awesome. If not, don't worry about it. we got the verses on the screens behind me. We also have a Bible back there on the table. If you don't own a Bible, grab one of those. That's our gift to you. Please take that home. Uh, but Acts 
chapter one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this, uh, the first eight verses, and we'll spend our time digging into it. So it says this, starting in verse one. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So that's where we're going to be today, these first eight verses, and these really set the stage for the rest of Acts especially verse eight. So if you, uh, you know, remember your time from school, you had to write a paper. They always wanted you to have that thesis statement. The thesis statement was that, hey, this is, this is kind of a, a one sentence idea of, of where I'm going with this paper, where I'm going with this topic, how I'm going to answer these questions, how I'm going to deal with this topic. That's what the thesis statement was. That's verse eight. Verse eight tells us exactly what's going to happen in the book of Acts. This is where we're heading. This is what the entire book is about. And here's a good uh, summary statement for you about the book of Acts for the note takers out there. Uh, it's Acts, this is what book, the book of Acts is all about. It's about the people of God expanding the kingdom of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. Let me say that again. Acts is all about the people of God, exp- the people of God expanding the kingdom of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. If you want to leave that up there, Chris, for a few more minutes, but this is, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to see over and over again through the book of Acts. God takes his people, the church, us, his followers, and he gives us a mission. And he says, I'm, I'm inviting you into what I'm doing. This, this rescuing and redeeming and saving the world, he calls his followers to have a part in that. So he calls us, his people, to expand the kingdom. And how do we do that? By proclaiming his message, by boldly going out Man, robots talking to me again. (laughs) By boldly going out and sharing the gospel, the saving message of Jesus, that Jesus loves sinners like you and me and wants to save us and rescue us and redeem us and make us new and set us free. That's what it's all about. It's about us going out and proclaiming his message. And here's the deal. We don't do it by ourselves. We don't do it in our own strength. We don't do it in our own power. We do it by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what the book of Acts is all about. We're going to see this over and over and over again. And if you were tired about me talking about sharing your faith and sharing the gospel over the last 16 weeks, guess what? You're going to be real sick of it by the end of Acts because this is, we're going to see this over and over and over again. You want to know how the church spreads, how the church grows? It's by God's people boldly going out and sharing the gospel. That's what Acts is all about. We're going to see this over and over and over again. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready for that. 
So, all right, let's dig into this. Verses uh, one through seven, just real quick, let me summarize that because we're gonna spend our time camping out in verse eight because it's that important, it's that big of a deal. But, but it starts out, Luke, uh, who's the author of Acts, Luke writes this, this second book. So he writes the first book, it's the Gospel of Luke, named after him. Uh, it's just if you flip a few pages to the left in your Bible, you'll find the Gospel of Luke. And he writes in that all about Jesus, all about his work, all about his ministry. And Luke ends where, where Acts picks off or where Acts picks up. It, Jesus has, has died on the cross. He's been raised from the dead. And now Luke tells us before he ascends into heaven, he, he spends 40 days with his disciples teaching them all about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is, is a topic that, that Luke loves. And just real quick summary, I could talk about the kingdom of God for a long time, but I'm not gonna keep you guys here all day. Uh, but the kingdom of God is all about the rule and reign of God here on the earth. That's what it's all about. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus here on the earth. So Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom. He says, while, while he was with them, verses four and five tell us, he says, hey, y'all stay in Jerusalem. I'm about to ascend into heaven. And we're going to look at that next week where Jesus ascends back into heaven. We're going to talk about the ascension next week. But he says, I'm about to ascend to heaven, but I want you to stay here. Stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's coming. And Jesus talked all about the Holy Spirit. He talked about this. You want to look a lot about what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit? Look at, look at John's uh, gospel, John 14 through 16, all about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, hey, it's better for me to go so the Holy Spirit can come. So Holy Spirit's a big deal. And we're going to see a lot about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. So he tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit, stay here, wait, he's coming. And then it says this, right before he ascends into heaven, verses six through eight are Jesus's final words to his disciples, his final words to us as his followers. And the disciples come and says, all right, Jesus, so uh, you've been raised from the dead. Uh, you're, you're here, you're talking about the kingdom. And they, they ask that question. They say, Jesus, is, is now the time that you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And something we just need to keep in mind that the followers of Jesus at this time, the, the disciples, when they heard about the kingdom of God, they thought about it in terms of earthly military kingdom. So when you study the history of Israel, you'll see that, uh, I mean, at some point they were kicked out of their land. They were brought into exile first to the Assyrians, that's the northern kingdom, and then the southern kingdom fell to the Babylonians. They were brought into exile, taken out of the land, and there were these constant promises of God uh, of restoring the kingdom of Israel, restoring Israel, and they thought that was primarily physical. So they thought, okay, well, well soon this, this Messiah, this promised one is going to save us, going to bring the kingdom of God, and we're going to have all of our earthly enemies defeated, and God's going to reign here on the earth. That's what, they, that's what they thought the kingdom of God was. So when they say, hey, Jesus, so you've, you've done all these things, you've raised from the dead, now, now are you going to restore the kingdom? Now are you going to defeat our enemies, which was the Roman Empire at that time? They were occupying Israel. Now are you going to kick the Romans out? And we're going to go back to these, these glory days of Israel, the time of, of David and Solomon. Like, you, you're going to do that now, God? Like, that's what they thought. But when Jesus says the kingdom of God, when he talks about defeating our enemies, he's got something far bigger than the Romans in mind. He's talking about our sin. So first, there's the spiritual kingdom of God that saves us and rescues us from our greatest enemy, sin. So Jesus says, look, y'all, stop worrying about that. Don't worry about that. Don't ask those questions. That's up to the Father. So he tells us, it's not for you to know. All right, it's not for us to know. When's Jesus come back? I have no idea. I have no idea. We're not supposed to know that. I have no idea when he's going to bring all that final consummation stuff that we talked about last week. We don't know. We're not meant to know. That's what Jesus tells us here in verse 7. It's up to the Father. It's not our concern, but here's what we are supposed to do. Here's what we are supposed to do. And that brings us to verse 8. 
We're not supposed to worry about when this, this earthly kingdom is going to come, when the final consummation is coming. We're not supposed to worry about that. We're not supposed to know those times and seasons, but here's what we are supposed to do. Here's what we are supposed to do. We're to be God's witnesses. We're to be Jesus's witnesses. Remember, Acts is about expanding the kingdom. We are supposed to go and expand the kingdom, but how are we supposed to do that? It's not done through military power. It's not done through conquering these earthly empires and kingdoms, no. How are we supposed to carry on this mission? How are we supposed to to do what Jesus has called us to do? We're to be witnesses. We're to receive his power and we're to be his witnesses. That's what he calls us to do. So that's where we're going today. We're going to talk about being witnesses, receiving power from the Holy Spirit, and then, and then going. We, we go. He calls us to, to, to be witnesses. He tells us he's going to give us power, and he tells us where, where to go. Where to go. All right, so that's where we're going today. So point one, if you're taking notes, uh, the first point we're talking about is, is we are to be witnesses. We're to be witnesses. We are to be witnesses. So Jesus tells them here, verse eight, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Now, if you, if you like underlining stuff in your Bible, circling things, highlighting stuff, anything like that, go back to verse six, and I want you to highlight and underline where, where they, they say, Lord, will you? Will you? Underline that, will you? See, they, they're asking Jesus to do something. They said, Lord, Lord, are you, will, will you restore the kingdom? Will you defeat our enemies? Will you do this? And Jesus says, no, don't worry about that, but you will be. You will be. So they say, Jesus, will you? And he turns it around and says, you will be. You will be, underline that part too. If you're, if you're taking notes in your Bible, underline, you will be my witnesses. So they want Jesus to do something, but Jesus turns it around and says, no, 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 I want you to be something. I want you to be something. And I want you to be my witness. I want you to be my witness. And look, here's the thing. This, this speaks to who we are as a person. It speaks to our identity. Being a witness is not just, you know, something we got to just check off a list or just, you know, it's a task that I got to complete. It's just something I have to do. Let me do that. Okay, I got my witnessing done for the day. Check that off. No, it's not a task. It's, it's part of our identity, who we are in Christ. It's, it's who we are. Amen. We are witnesses. We are to be witnesses. Amen. And because of that, it, it's not an optional thing. This is not a, oh, well, you know, don't really want to do that. I don't really like the sound of that. I don't think I'm really good at that, Jesus. Don't want to do that. No, there's, there's, no, there's no out on this. There's no out on this. No, he says, you will be. You will be my witnesses. This is not an optional thing. This is who we are supposed to be. So, so what is a witness? What is a witness? Well, the Greek word for witness here, the Bible was written in Greek originally, the Greek word is martus. And count of three, everybody say martus. One, two, three. Look at y'all. Well done. Well done. Martus. Martus. It's where we get our word martyr from. That sounds familiar. It's where we get our word martyr from. But martus at a, at a base level, what it means is somebody who, who witnesses or testifies to something. Witnesses or testifies to something. I mean, think about it in terms of, of a legal setting. When, when, when somebody comes into a courtroom and they're to be a witness, what are they doing? They're testifying about something. Well, what are they doing? They're just sharing what they know to be true. Right? They're, they're sharing and they're speaking with their words, not just, you know, let me, let me just you know, demonstrate it with my lifestyle. No, that's not, that's not what's happening in a courtroom. When they call a witness, Ken can tell you they're not just acting out some creative dance and movement that are just, oh, let me just figure out based on how you're living what you're talking about. No, they share with their words what they know to be true, what they've seen, what they've experienced, what they know happened. That's what a witness does testifies to what they know with their words, what they've seen, what they know to be true, what they're experienced. That's what we're called to do as Christ's followers. 
This is what it means to be a witness. It's just people that talk about him. It's just sharing about Jesus, sharing what we know to be true, sharing what, what Jesus has done in our lives, what we've seen Jesus do. This is what it means to be a witness. Saying too often we, we overcomplicate things, right? We just, we just, we, we work it up in our heads and we're like, no, it's just too difficult. I can't, I can't talk about Jesus, talk about the gospel. I, I can't do that. What if they, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? What if they, what if they have all these, this fancy arguments that are like, man, well, here are some uh, things in the Bible that are incorrect. And did you know this? Did you know that? Like, you just, I, I don't know. I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freeze up and I don't know what to say. Well, good news is Jesus doesn't tell us to do that. Amen. He doesn't tell us we have to be the best speaker. He doesn't tell us that we have to know every single thing out there. We don't have to be the smartest people in the room. We don't have to know how to respond to every single claim that's out there, right? You don't have to have Lee Strobel's The Case of Christ memorized. That, that's, not, that's not in here. That's not what he tells us to do. He just tells us to share what we know. Speak what we know to be true. He's asking us just to share our story of how Jesus changed our lives. That's all we gotta do. Look, if you're a follower of Jesus and if you put your faith in Jesus, you have a Jesus story. You have a story of how Jesus radically changed your life. How you went from not believing to believing. How you went from dead in your sins to alive in Christ. If you are a Christian and you've put your faith in Jesus, we all have that story. And you're like, well, Travis, my, my story's not super exciting. It wasn't like I was living this like crazy wild lifestyle and now, you know, a 180, complete like shift, turn on a dime. Some of y'all got that story and that's awesome. Share it. Some of y'all got a story more like me. I grew up in church and I got saved at an early age. But you know what? I still got saved. That's still a miracle. That's still a work from the Lord. And guess what? He's still working in my life right now. And there's stuff that I can share, that I can speak to and say, look what Jesus has done. Look what he's done. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you how about he's changed my life. That's what it means to be a witness. That's what we're supposed to do. That's who we're supposed to be. And look, this is not just for pastors, all right? This is not, well, Travis, you're, you're a pastor and you're a professional Christian. That's what, yeah, sure, you go do that. All right, good luck, have fun. Yes, that, that, uh, that's not, no. Uh, no, it's not just for pastors. It's not just for elders. It's not just for people who have been Christians for a long, long time. It's not just for, for those of you in here. I know you're real smart. You know a bunch of theology, a bunch of doctrine, can tell me all the stuff that I don't know. I, that's, that's not what it says here, all right? It's not just for those kind of people. It, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. And look, here's, here's the wild thing to me. Here's the craziest part about all of this. And this is something that I'll never understand. But this is how Jesus saves people. This is how Jesus saves people. By his people, us, going just about our lives, wherever we go, talking about him, sharing the good news about him, this is how he saves people. Y'all, that's crazy. That's crazy that, that Jesus, perfect God over everything, invites sinners like you and I, broken people just struggling to get by in life, he invites us into the salvation process. That's crazy. That's crazy. Look at, look at what he says in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 13, it says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Whoa, that's incredible. Everyone who calls on, we just, we got, let's get everybody to call on the name of the Lord, right? Like this is what he said. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then Paul continues here in verse 14. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is amazing. That is awesome. That is great news. But how do they hear? How do they call? How do they believe? Somebody's got to tell them. How can they call on somebody and who they don't believe? And how, how can they believe in someone when they've never heard of them? And how are they to hear without somebody telling them? Let's jump down to verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is how Jesus saves people. He uses our broken efforts, our stumbling through the gospel and talking about Jesus. He uses that to save people, to draw people to himself, to rescue people. We don't save people. I don't save people. You don't save people. Jesus saves people, but he calls us to have a part in that. He calls us to have a role in that. And it's by being a witness. How does someone hear unless they're told? Jesus sends us out to tell people, to talk about him. That's all we gotta do. Just be his witness. Just tell people what we know to be true, what we've seen Jesus do in our lives. That's being a witness. So we're to be witness. We're to be witnesses. Second thing. Second thing, witnesses will receive power. Witnesses will receive power. In order to be who Jesus has called us to be, his witness he gives us help. Again, he doesn't just send us out on our own to do things by ourselves and just say, hey, good luck, y'all. Good luck. There's lots of people who need to hear about Jesus, ends of the earth and all that good stuff. Good luck. Have fun. Call me if you need me. No, this is what he says. What does he say? He says, you will receive power. On the count of three, everybody say power. One, two, three. Power. Well done. If you're taking notes in your Bible, circle that word power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. When Jesus calls us to be witnesses. He gives us power to be that. He gives us his power. And look, here's the thing. It's only by God's power that we can be effective witnesses. It's only by God's power that he takes these words that we say, these things that we share and we speak about and we tell about Jesus. He takes those words and he uses them in his power and his might to call people and draw people to himself. It's by his power that we can be effective witnesses. And look, this is, this is what we see all throughout the book of Acts. Y'all, the Holy Spirit's power is on full display in the book of Acts. Now, we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Like, I think too often, you know, the Holy Spirit, it's that third person, the Trinity, does some weird stuff, so we don't really talk about him. It's, you know, we are, the Trinity in the Baptist church sometimes is, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Word, God the Word, God the Bible. The Holy Spirit, I don't know, makes us a little uncomfortable, a little, little uncomfortable, that Holy Spirit. So we don't really talk about him that much. No, we're going to talk about him a lot because the Holy Spirit is on full display in the book of Acts. And here's what the Holy Spirit does. Just a highlight of the Holy Spirit's power in the book of Acts. He causes people to speak in tongues, to speak other languages that they've never spoken before. Speaking in tongues. He, he uses the, the preaching of Peter and other apostles to save people by the thousands. That's crazy. Save people by the thousands. He heals people. He exercises demons. He, he raises people from the dead. We're going to see this over and over again. He's raising people from the dead in the book of Acts. He, he rescues people. Paul has this shipwreck in, in chapter 27. Shipwreck and the Holy Spirit rescues everybody from that. At chapter 28, we're going to see this at the end. Paul gets bitten by a poisonous snake and not affected at all. Is that just some magic thing? No, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He, he prevents or he sets apart missionaries and sends them out all over. He leads prison escapes and miracle after miracle after miracle. We see the Holy Spirit's power in the book of Acts. Now look, here, here's what happens. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to go, it's easy for us to go, well, you know, Travis, that, that, that was the book of Acts. That was the book of Acts and it's, 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 a, it's a little different now. It's a little different now. That's, you know, th- things are, that was, that was a different time. There's different things going on. Yeah, that's not really, that's not really what's happening now. I think it's easy for us to say that. It's easy for us to say that. And look, I'll, I'll give you this. I will give you this, that there are some unique things that the Holy Spirit does in the book of Acts. There's some unique things that, that, are, that are just for that time period, that are just for the book of Acts. And I'll, I'll point those out if and when we see them. There are some unique things. But here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear this. I want this to, to sear into your minds today. Yes, there's some unique things in the book of Acts, but it is still the same Holy Spirit today. It's still the same Holy Spirit today. And he still has this power today. It wasn't like, man, chapter 28 of Acts ended and the Holy Spirit's like, just, I just felt some of my power go away. Oh, man. man, that's disappointing. I wasn't ready for that. No, still the same Spirit, still the same power. And here's what, here, here's what I want you to hear. That same Spirit is within, within us. That same spirit is within us. If you're a believer in here, you have this spirit. You have this power that's offered to us too. Uh, Romans 8, 11, Paul writes this. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you're a believer in Jesus, you put your faith in Jesus, the spirit is in you. And not just any spirit, the Holy Spirit. And what Paul says here, it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You want to know how Jesus raised from the dead? The Holy Spirit. And that same spirit is within us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. That same spirit that that heals the lame and the sick and acts is in you. That same spirit that exercises demons is in you. That same spirit that, that rescues people from prison is in you. That same spirit that makes dead sinners alive in Christ is in you. And that same spirit wants to give you power. Wants to give you power. And look, you might be thinking, yeah, wow, that that sounds cool. That sounds cool. I want to see the spirit move in my life like he moves in the book of Acts. Yeah, that that sounds awesome, Travis. But if I'm being honest, I I don't see that kind of power in my life. I don't see that same kind of power. There's a reason for that. This power is for something specific. Why does the Spirit give power? Who does the Spirit give power to? Witnesses. Witnesses. Most of y'all know this. Uh, we've got uh, my wife and I, Kendra. We have three kids, uh, Zayden, Livy, and our youngest is Myla. Myla just turned one this past week. She's one years old. I know, very exciting. Yes, yay, yay for her. She's awesome. Uh, great little kid. She's so funny. She's so sweet. Uh, but she, she has some unique things about her, just to be real with y'all. So uh, one of the things that, that I think she might be left-handed. Any, any lefties in the house? Any lefties? All right, well, they're all over here. On, on my left side, I wonder if, you know, 
Spirit works in powerful ways. Interesting. Uh, so I think she's a lefty because she only eats with her left hand. So you put stuff on a tray, she's only eating with her left hand. She likes to grab stuff with her left hand. So I think she might be lefty, which will be interesting because other kids are, are righty. So that'll be, that'll, that'll be interesting for us. But what she does with her right hand while she's eating is she, she wants to hold something in her right hand. Just hold it. She want to eat it? No. She doesn't want to eat it. She want to do anything with it? No, she just wants to hold it. She wants to hold it. It's so like, you know, for snacks, sometimes we'll give her some goldfish and she'll, she'll be popping those things in like nothing with her left hand. The whole time she's holding one in her right hand, <laughs> just holding it, doing nothing. And then she'll run out of what's on her tray and she'll, you know, fuss to get more, tell us she wants more. And I'm like, no, you, you, you got one right here in your right hand. And sometimes what she'll do is she'll look at it and throw it. <laughs> just throw it. That's not for eating. No, that, that, that's for holding. Other times she'll, she'll crumple it up and she'll just kind of smirk at you, like, yeah, you, you want to use this? No, I'm, I'm making a mess. Sometimes she'll, she'll throw it, you know, we won't get that cleaned up, we'll set her down, she'll go crawl to that piece of food, she'll hold it in her right hand, and just crawl throughout the house, just holding it, just holding it. If you point it out to her, she'll crumple it up, sprinkle it around. It's like, no, that, that, that food is for eating, you know that, right? Like, that, you're supposed to eat that, not just hold it, not just hold it, not just crumple it up and sprinkle it around the house, no, you're, you're supposed to eat that, but she just wants to hold it, she just wants to hold it. Sometimes that's how we're treating the Holy Spirit. This power is for witnessing. It's not for holding on. This power is for witnessing. This power is not for having a nice, easy life. This power is not being successful in our workplace. This, this power is not for just having a bunch of health and wealth. That, that's not what this power is for. This power is not for the hedge of protection that we pray for when we go traveling, right? Like that's not what it's for. This power that the Holy Spirit promises us is for witnessing. It's for being his witness. So the Holy Spirit wants to give us power. He wants to give us boldness. He wants to give us clarity. He wants to give us the words to say. He wants to bring answers to our mind. He wants to give us opportunities to share. But too often we're just holding that in our hand. See, he's calling us, Travis, take that step. Take a step towards boldness. Take a step towards being a faithful witness and I'll give you power. I'll give you power. We gotta take that step. We gotta stop holding on to this. Well, see, uh, the New Testament talks about the, this idea of quenching the spirit. Quenching the spirit. Sometimes we can actually stop and quench the spirit's work in our lives through our disobedience. Through our sin and disobedience and unrepentance. We can quench that. We can actually prevent the Spirit from working in our lives because of our sin. So, if you're if you're hearing this and you're, you're hearing this talk of power, and you're like, "Man, that sounds awesome," let's stop holding that in our hands and let's step out and be bold, faithful witnesses. That's when the power is going to come. That's when the Holy Spirit will bring power. Let's stop quenching the Spirit's work in our lives and let's step boldly into what He's called us to be, and that's witnesses. So, if, that, if that's us, if that if you're feeling that, like, man. I'm not, I'm neglecting this. I'm not, I'm not being who Christ has called me to be. Well, good news of the gospel is that you can always turn back to Jesus. You can always, and it's not gonna be, oh, Travis, you, you messed up again. How, you know, how dare you? No, it's Jesus going, yes, turn back to me. I love it when people turn back to me. Yes, come back to me. Let me use you in power and might. Like he wants us to do that. So if this is you, don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel shame and guilt. That's the enemy talking. No, let, let's step back into where Jesus wants us to be. And let's be, let's be bold witnesses in power. Okay, so we're to be witnesses. Witnesses receive power. And the third thing, 
we see here is witnesses start close and go far. Witnesses start close and go far. So Jesus tells us that we're to be witnesses and we're to receive power. And then what does he say? What does he say? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And Acts follows that exact outline. If you were here last week and you got one of those packets that we had for you about the book of Acts, you see in there that the outline actually shows us that in the first seven chapters, uh, it's all about ministry in Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 through 12, it's all about the gospel spreading out from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. And then starting in chapter 13 through the end of the book, it's all about Paul's missionary journeys where he is taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is what the book of Acts is all about. So what does this mean for us? Are we supposed to go move to Jerusalem and that's, where, that's the only place we're going to be witnesses? No, let's, let's talk about what this means for us. So when Jesus says Jerusalem, what, what's Jerusalem? Jerusalem's their home. It's their home. It's their immediate community. It's where they live. It's where they are. It's where they do everything, right? They are in Jerusalem. This is where they live. It's close. It's the closest thing for them. So for us, what our Jerusalem is, it's the places we're in close proximity. So it's things like our neighborhood, where we live, where we work, the people that we work with, our friends and family, those that we're closest to. That's our Jerusalem. That's our Jerusalem, and that's where we start. We start in our neighborhoods. We start at our workplace. We start in our family and our friends, those people that we are around all the time, where God and his sovereignty has placed us for his purpose. That's where we start. So that's our Jerusalem. Judea would have been just the surrounding area, the surrounding area all around Jerusalem. It's pretty much all of Israel is kind of where we're, we're getting that idea from. So that's, that, that's our larger community. So it's our larger community. It's our city. It's our county. It's our state. That, that's our Judea. And then Samaria, Samaria was this section in Israel where the Samaritans live. And, and we, we'll get into this when we get into uh, chapter 8 and we see the gospel expand to Samaria. But, but just so you know, the Jews did not like Samaritans. They were different from Jews. They were, they were half Jewish, half other ethnicities, and the Jewish people did not like them one bit. And Jesus says, yeah, I want you to take the gospel to them. So what that means for us, our Samaria is people that aren't like us, people that we might not like or that we might disagree with. People that uh, in our lives that, that we would think, man, there's no way God can save them. They, they are too far gone. They are too messed up. There's no way the gospel can save. There's no way they would ever want to come to church. That's our Samaria. Those are the people that we're also supposed to go to. So we start in our immediate surroundings, our immediate area, our neighborhoods, our workplace, our family, friends. We expand out beyond that into our larger community. We, we go to people that, that are not like us, those that are different from us, and then the ends of the earth. It's the same as it was back then. That's all people everywhere. It's the nations. It's everywhere. It needs to hear the gospel. And th- th- this was the disciples' roadmap. This is what Jesus calls them to do, and it's, it's the same for us. We start close, and we go far. We start close and we go far. Now, there, there's two ways that we can tend to get this wrong. There's two ways we can tend to get this wrong. One, one way is, is there's no burden for the nations. There's no burden for the nations. There, there's, no, there's no thought in our mind at all about unreached peoples throughout this world. There's no thought of, of those far from us that might not ever hear the name of Jesus. We're not thinking about them. We're not praying about them. We're not praying for the missionaries that are going out there. We're, not, we're certainly not praying, Lord, are you calling me to be a missionary? There's no thought of that in our mind. So there's no burden for the nations. And that, that, that's not right. 
We should have a heart for the nations. We have a heart for unreached people groups. And the second way we get this wrong, and I think this is, is far more common for those of us that are believers, far more common, especially those of us that, that have grown up kind of in the South in this cultural Christianity. There's no burden for our neighbors. There's no burden for our neighbors. So what this means is I would rather go outside of my Jerusalem, outside of my immediate area, and, and I'll share the gospel somewhere else, but not, not close to home. No, I can't do that. Go, go to Atlanta or Clarkson or these other places where we can go and do missions work. Go share the gospel with those people. Yeah, sure, sign me up. Love to do that. Yes, I can do that. Go on a short-term mission trip to like Guatemala or Kenya or someplace like that, share the gospel with those people. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that. Go, go serve at a, at a homeless shelter or some other church event. Like Travis, you do, you do an evangelistic church event, I'll sign up and I'll share the gospel with everybody. Backyard Bible Club, cool, I'll share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with my neighbor? Nope, nope, no, that's, no, I can't, can't do that. Share the gospel with that person that I work with? No, 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 why would I do that? That's awkward, that's weird. Share the gospel with, with my family? No, no, I don't want to do that. Can I, can I just go on a short-term mission trip somewhere? Can't we just go do like a, a, a serve the city kind of thing down, down in Atlanta? Can't we just do something like that? I'll share the gospel there. Author and, and pastor, Kent Hughes says this. He says, there can be no burden for distant, unreached peoples without a burden for unreached neighbors. There can be no burden for distant, unreached peoples without a burden for unreached neighbors. These have to go together. And look, I get it. Why, why do we not share the gospel with our neighbor? Because it's awkward. I get it. I, I totally get it. I understand. Like, Travis, you want me to share the gospel with that person that I work with? Well, what if they say no? What if they're like, no, get out of here and don't ever talk to me again? I still have to go see them at work. Those people in Kenya that I can share the gospel with, I'm never going to see them again. And if I do, if I go next year when y'all do another mission trip, they probably would have forgotten about me. Those people in Atlanta, y'all probably never going to see them again. That, my neighbor that I see every single day, share the gospel with them? No, that's awkward. That's weird. Look, y'all, I get it. I get it. I do. I, I, I get it. Uh, there's some neighbors in, in our neighborhood that we've built a relationship with that don't know Jesus, uh, and, and we try to spend as much time with them as we can. So we, we invited one family over, uh, Mike and Tiffany. We invited them over for dinner a couple weeks ago. We're having dinner with them, and our kids have become really good friends. So they're, they're playing, and we're eating dinner and just talking, and they're like totally in church, like no concept of church whatsoever. And get, what do we always ask about here in America? What do you do for a living? Well, guess what happens when you have a pastor? What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a pastor. Okay, and just let me just tell you, if you've never experienced that, there's two things that happen when you tell people you're a pastor. One, most of the time, they get really quiet and really awkward really fast. The second thing, which is a little uncommon and also very awkward, is they just spill out their whole life story. I'm like, I need to know all that. Please keep that to yourself next time. I don't need to know all the things you're struggling with, okay? That's, that's not confessional time, all right? That's not what we're doing. But, so usually it's the first one where it just gets real awkward. And here are these people, they're like, they're trying to be nice. They're, they're nice people asking about me, and they have no concept of what a pastor or a preacher does. And here I am trying to explain what I do for a living. That's just weird, and I was stumbling through it. It was awkward. It was weird. Y'all, I get it. It's awkward to talk about Jesus and the things of God with people in your lives. I get it. It's awkward. It's weird, but we're still supposed to do it. Look, there are people across the globe that are being arrested and dying because they're sharing the gospel, and we're worried about an awkward conversation. 
Like seriously, think about this. There are people in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, in our families who are lost and dying and on their way to hell and I'm worried about an awkward conversation? Y'all, we gotta push through the awkwardness. It's worth it. It's worth it. Push through the awkwardness. Let's be witnesses. Let's start close and let's go far. So let me, before we, we end today, let me give you some just practical tips. You're like, Travis, yeah, this sounds great. I want to do it. Like, where, where do I start? What do I do? Let me just give you some thoughts about how to do this and hopefully kind of maybe limit some of the awkwardness. Uh, the first way, first practical tip for, for being a witness, an effective witness, and I think this is the most important way we can share our faith in 2022. In this current culture that we're in, in this current place that we're in, in this country, this is the, the, the best way to do it. I'm telling you, hospitality, hospitality. Invite people into your lives. Invite them into your lives. That's all you got to do. It's real easy. Invite them over for dinner. Invite people over for play dates. Be outside and around and near these people. Eat lunch with those people at your work that don't know Jesus. Invite them into your lives. We've lived in our neighborhood now for, uh, for three and a half years. And when we moved, we really prayed. We prayed, Lord, bring us to a neighborhood and give us opportunities to get to know people that don't know Jesus. Give us opportunities to share the gospel, get to know our neighbors. And, and it didn't look, it, it, it has happened, but it didn't happen just magically. It's not like I was just, you know, sitting there in my house and we just have neighbors coming and knocking on the door. That's not how it works, y'all. Not how it works. But what we did is we just, you know what? When we see somebody we don't know, we go and introduce ourselves. We get to know them. Our kids are outside all the time. So we're just like, man, we're just looking for people. And we've been able to build relationships. And we've been able to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus. So I told you about Mike and Tiffany. And we're getting to know them. We're talking about Jesus with them. Uh, we, Mike and Stephanie Woods, it's another couple that we've gotten to know, doesn't know Jesus. Uh, Adrian and Awana, they don't know Jesus. We've gotten to know them. We've built a relationship with these people. Uh, Dave and Christy Palumbo. They used to not know Jesus. Now they do know Jesus. Like, out of those four couples, two of those couples have come to church, and one of those have put their faith in Jesus. And that's not because of me. That's not, it's like, well, Travis, again, you're, you're a pastor. You know what to say. No, I stumble through this all the time, all right? I, I, I don't make sense. But you're like, you talk professionally. You can do this. No, it's difficult, all right? I, I want to acknowledge it. I want, I want you to hear that. It's not always easy. But it's just through inviting people into our lives, through getting to know them, through building a relationship, talking about Jesus, inviting them to church. And guess what? Sometimes people say yes. Sometimes they say yes. Sometimes they want to hear about Jesus. Sometimes they hear the gospel preached and they want to keep coming. And look, here's the thing. Dave and Christy came to church with us for a year before they put their faith in Jesus. A year. And then one day we were talking and they were just like, yeah, I believe now. And I was like, What? what? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we believe now. It's like, oh, whoa, amazing. And I was like freaking out. And they were like, what's wrong with you? But yeah, it, it takes some effort. It takes some time. But you know how we do that? We, we just invited people into our lives. We just open up our lives and we're, we're available to those around us. Hospitality is key. Another thing, just talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus like you do everything else you love. What happens when we find a new restaurant that we love? We talk about it. What happens when, when that, that new show that we're binging right now and somebody asks us, hey, did you see that? And we can just talk for an hour about that. We just talk for an hour because we're like super excited. Oh yeah, just, let me spoil it for you and just tell you everything. That new piece of technology that you got and you just love, you just want to tell everybody about it. Right, this used to be, you know, like if anybody did CrossFit back in the day, like you, you didn't need to ask them because they were going to tell you about it. 
You know, if anybody's a vegan in your life, you don't have to ask them, they're gonna tell you about it, all right? Because they're excited, they're passionate, they're, they're pumped up about what's going on in their lives. Yo, we gotta talk about Jesus like that. Those things didn't save you. Those things didn't die on the cross for you. No, Jesus did. We should be more excited and passionate about Jesus than anything else that we're talking about. And y'all, I get this. You ask me just general thoughts about the NBA, I could talk for an hour straight. Easy. You'd have to get me to stop talking. We should be like that with Jesus. Just talk about him like we do everything else that we love. That's, again, don't overcomplicate this. Just talk about Jesus. Share your story. Share your story of how you put your faith in Jesus. Another thing, look for the opportunities. Like I think too often, you know, we're, we're good Christians. We love Jesus and we want to we be people of prayer. So I think too often we just kind of get bogged down in that. Like, Lord, bring me opportunities. Bring me opportunities. The opportunities are there. The opportunities are there. What we need to pray for is, Lord, open my eyes to those opportunities and give me the boldness to step into those opportunities. That's more what we need to pray for. The opportunities are there. Take advantage of the opportunities. Invite people to church. Y'all, bring people to church. I'll tell them about the gospel. I'll tell them, just, hey, Travis, I want you to meet this person. Tell them about Jesus. Boom, I'll do it. I promise. I would love to do that. Bring them to church. I'll tell them about Jesus. And then you take them out to lunch, and then you tell them about Jesus. Use your routine. Use your routine. What do you do all the time? Do you go to the gym at the same time every day? Typically we do. Like we get into this routine. Do you, do you go grocery shopping on the same day every time? Do you go to the same store every time when you do go grocery shopping? Like we, we do these things on a regular basis. Use your routine to your advantage. Frequent the same restaurants. Frequent the same coffee shops. Get to know the people that work there. Get to know the people that are there at the same time as you are. Is that weird and awkward? Yeah, it's a little weird and awkward. Push through it. Push through it. It'll be all right. You'll be okay. I promise. Invite them to church. Yeah, when you go to a restaurant, leave an invite. We've got these Axe invite cards. Leave an invite card. Leave a good tip. Leave a good tip and then leave an invite card. I can't, y'all, I used to work in restaurants. I can't tell you how many times I got a track from a Christian as a tip. Don't do that. Don't be that person, y'all. Leave a generous tip and lovingly invite them to church with you. Take advantage of the opportunities. Like I said, our, our kids were going to be outside anyways. Like we are always outside with our kids. They love being outside. So we take advantage of those opportunities. We go on walks in our neighborhood all the time because that's what our kids want to do. We're not forcing them. That's what they want to do. So guess what? When we see a neighbor that we don't know, we stop, we introduce ourselves, we get to know them. Use your routine to your advantage here. And another thing, last thing I'll say is pray. Pray. We need to be praying for the people in our lives that don't know Jesus. Anybody heard of George Mueller before? Anybody heard of George Mueller? George Mueller was this guy who lived in the 1800s uh, in England, and he owned these, these orphanages and served uh, hundreds of orphans throughout his time. But one of the things he was known for was being a man of prayer. Prayed all the time. And he had this list of people in his life that didn't know Jesus, and he would just pray for them constantly. And as soon as they put their faith in Jesus, man, he'd cross them off their list. And he'd pray for them. He'd always say he'd pray for them until they were dead, he was dead, or they put their faith in Jesus. So he got towards the end of his life and, and, and there's two names that had been on his list that had been there for years and years and years. And George Mueller talks about this, this friend of his that came and said, George, you, you've been praying about these men for years and years. Aren't you gonna stop? You're, you're nearing the end of your life. Aren't you gonna stop? And his answer was no. Why would I stop? I'm still alive. They're still alive. There's still time. Pray. Pray for the people that need to know Jesus. And that's, that's, that's why we have these cards. So if you had, hopefully everybody got an index card what I want you to do before the end of service day, what I want you to do is I want you to take this index card and I want you to write down five names of people in your life that don't know Jesus. Write down five people in your life that don't know Jesus. 
Write their names down on this card, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this card and put it somewhere where you're going to see it multiple times a day. Put it in your car. Put it on your bathroom mirror somewhere. Put it somewhere. Put it on your TV remote if you're grabbing that every day. All right, Just put it somewhere where you're going to see it multiple times a day, and every time you see it, pray. Pray for these people to be saved. Pray for these people to put their faith in Jesus. Pray for God to give you the opportunities to invite them, to talk with them about Jesus. Pray and pray all the time and pray until you start crossing names off your list and adding more. Pray. If you're like, Travis, I don't, I don't know five people. Well, there you go. Start there. Write down the names that you do know and then pray for God to bring more people in your life and for you to be more intentional with those around you that don't know Jesus. So write these names down, pray, and look, here's the deal. I'm going to put that number back up. Chris, can you put that slide back up with our number? Text us. Text the names to that number that you'll see in a minute when Chris puts it up there. Text the names to that, and I'll pray too. And I'll send that to our elders. We'll all pray. We'll all pray for your list. We'll, be, we'll all be praying together, all right? So send, us, send me those names, and, and me and the elders, we're going to be praying for them too. We're going to be praying for you. You can leave that up for a little while, Chris. I'd appreciate that. So pray. Pray for those that don't know Jesus. Write these names down. Pray. Pray for opportunities. Look for opportunities. Talk with them about Jesus. Invite them to church with you. The book of Acts is all about, again, it's all about the people of God expanding the mission of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. This is what it's about. This is what we're called to do. And what we see in the book of Acts, this is how the church grows and expands. This is how the church grows and expands. By Jesus' followers being faithful and bold witnesses for him all over the world. And look, this is how we're supposed to grow too. This is how we as the church, we as the church at Haines Creek, this is how we're supposed to grow too. Like I've heard a lot of talk in my, you know, I've been here 16, 17, 18 weeks, something like that. I can't count, so I don't know. A few weeks. And I've heard a lot about, you know, Travis, we, we want to be a different church. We want to do things differently. We want to be, be different. We want to be, be radical for Jesus. We want to be on fire for Jesus. I've heard a lot of that. And like, here's the thing. You, you want to be different? You want to be radical for Jesus? This is how. This is how. By being on the front lines of the mission of God. By sharing the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. And like, oh, we, we've talked about this before, but, but we're in a highly unreached area. 90% of Newton County is unreached. 90% of people that don't know Jesus living in this county, 90%. So like, here's the good news. If you couldn't fill up five names on that index card, guess what? You go meet any random person out and about one and, or nine in 10 chance, they don't know Jesus. Well, there you go. There's another name. 90% don't know Jesus. But look, here's the deal. God has placed us here in this area for this purpose. For this purpose, to expand his kingdom. He's called us to take a part in this. Look, if you study, if you study church trends over the last few years, what the numbers will tell you is the church is declining. The church is declining. Less and less people are going to church. The church is declining. What statistics will also tell you is that 75% of church growth is church transfers. It's just one people that are already Christians going from one church to the next church. And we, so we got churches closing down and we got other churches growing bigger, but it's not because people are coming in, hearing the gospel, putting their faith in Jesus. No, it's just, you know, churches trading 
trading out churches like, you know, playing cards or whatever it is. That's what it, 75% of church growth is church transfers. Is that discouraging? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit it is. Is it sad that the church is in decline? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Is it sad that evangelism is that much on the decline in this country? Yes, that is a little discouraging. But it also provides us with an opportunity. It also provides us with an opportunity because here's another stat for you. 80% of people that put their faith in Jesus do so because a friend, family member, loved one shared the gospel with them and invited them to church. 80%. We have an incredible opportunity before us to be Christ's witnesses in an unreached area. People here are desperate for the gospel, are desperate, desperate for the hope and the salvation that Jesus alone can provide. And God wants to give us power to do that. So will we do that? Will we act? Will we step out in faith? We have this amazing opportunity before us. And look, if y'all don't want to do that, let me know. If you're like, nah, we're good. We're good. Reach out to people that don't know Jesus. Nah, we're, I don't want to do that. Look, y'all, let me know that. If that's, if that's what y'all want to do, we'll, we'll shut this thing down right now. We'll shut it down. Because I'm telling you, if we don't do that, eventually Jesus will shut this down. Because we're not doing what he's called us to do. We're not doing what he's called the church to do. He's called the people of God to expand the kingdom of God by sharing the message of God through the power of God. That's what we're called to do. That's what he's called us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. So let's go and do it. We're to be his witnesses. Just talk about Jesus. And we do that. He gives us power. Let's be these people. Let's not neglect this. Yes, let's be different. Let's be radical for Jesus. Let's be his witnesses. In a moment, I'm going to pray. The man's going to come, and, and we're going to step into this time that we always do, uh, where we worship and we participate in communion. This is a time for those of us that, that are believers in the room. So if you're here, you put your faith in Jesus. This is a time for us to, to spend a moment in prayer. I would encourage you to do that. After I pray and the band comes up to lead us, I'd encourage you to take a moment to pray. Maybe pray through that list. Pray for opportunities, looking for opportunities. Maybe to repent of some sin. Maybe you have been just living for yourself and living for whatever you have going on and just asking the Lord to bless just your life. Not even thinking about unreached neighbors or unreached people groups. Let's repent of that and come back to Jesus. As your hearts are ready, as you're prepared, you can come to either side of the room here. We got, we got the elements at our tables over here on either side. We take the bread, we drink the cup, it represents Jesus' broken body and shed blood for us on the cross. And then we, then we, we worship our Savior. We worship Jesus together. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, first I want to say thank you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate that. I pray you keep coming. And I want you to hear this. Although communion is not a time for you, I want you to hear this. Jesus is for you. Jesus has died on the cross for your sins. And look, he, he sees everything about us. He sees all of our brokenness. He sees all of our shame. He sees all of our guilt. He sees all the ways that we've messed up time and time again. He sees all of that and he says, I love you. I love you and I died on the cross for you. 
If you're here and you've been searching for meaning, you've been searching for answers, you've been searching for hope and satisfaction and fulfillment, look, you can keep searching this world for that. You can do it. Keep searching, but I promise you it's only gonna leave you broken and disappointed. Jesus alone offers that. He is the only one who can lift that burden of guilt and shame. He's the only one who can take away our sins. He's the only one who can set us free. He's the only one who can rescue and redeem us, and he wants to. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on his name. Put your faith in him. If you want to do that today, all you got to do is tell him. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner but I'm believing in you. I'm asking you to save me. Call on his name and you will be saved. That's you, please come. Come talk to me before you go. Talk to somebody here so we can celebrate with you so I can have that moment like I had with my neighbors where I'm just about to fall over and celebrate and jump up and down and be a crazy person because that's how awesome it is. That's how amazing it is. All right, I want to do that with you. So please come and tell me. Let's pray together, church. Jesus, I pray for all that we talk through today, Lord, I thank you for, Lord, calling us to, to partner with you in your work. Lord, that is just, that's crazy. That's crazy that you do that, Lord. That's crazy that, that you allow people like me who, who stumble through and, and try to string words together that, that aren't going to make sense, and you, you use that, and you, you empower that, and you use that to, to save people, Jesus. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, let us not neglect that opportunity. Let us be your witnesses. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring us power. Lord, you would fill each and every one of us with your power, with your boldness, Lord, and we would go out wherever we are, wherever you have us, at our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our families, wherever you have us, Lord, and we would be bold missionaries for you. Lord, being your witness, proclaiming your truth, Jesus, would you use us? Would you bring power, Holy Spirit, Lord, give us faith, give us strength, give us boldness to be who you've called us to be, to be your witness. Lord, let this church be a force in this area for you, for your name, for your kingdom, for your gospel, Lord. Lord, we, we pray and we ask boldly in your name, Jesus. Would you do these things, Lord? We ask all this your powerful name.